We're looking at the Exodus. We're going to continue looking as the people of God move from Egypt to the promised land. And when the people of God were redeemed from Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and they moved from despair and they moved from hopelessness into a place of awe and wonder of God and all that he did, they cried out in worship to God. And in Exodus 15, verse 11, it says, Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who amongst everything in the world is like you, O Yahweh, O Jehovah? Who is like you? Nobody. It says, then they go on singing worship, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. You stretched out your right hand and it was good. The Lord is good. The Lord is holy. The Lord is sovereign. And we, hey, we may be a bit chilly this morning in our knees, but the Lord is good and that never changes. The Lord was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Lord that redeemed the Israelites is the Lord that is living and transforming our lives today. Amen? Amen. So let's stand and worship our holy God this morning as the band leads us in a time of worship. Today's reading is from Exodus 14, verses 15 to 31. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain the glory through Pharaoh and his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud broke darkness to one side and light to the other, So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it to dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea, During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let us get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. 
Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of, on water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Well, if you've got your Bibles, please turn to Exodus 14, and we're going to be looking at that this morning. I had to go and get a little drink. Um, Tim Horton helped me get something for my throat just now. And it was wonderful to see all of the children and the youth going off to their classes. We are blessed to have all of these kids learning about Jesus Christ. So keep praying for our young people and our children right now. But we want to continue looking at our journey of people leaving Egypt to the promised land. There's um, uh, an engineer, an inventor uh, called Igor Sikorsky. And when he was 12... His parents told him that um, competent authorities had proved that human flight was impossible. And so he went on and built the first helicopter, disproving these competent authorities. And in his American plant, he posted this sign that is on their screen. And it says this, according to recognized aerotechnical tests, the bumblebee cannot fly because of the shape and weight of its body in relation to the total wing area. The bumblebee does not know this, so he goes and flies ahead anyhow. Attitude and perspective are everything, especially when we are following the Lord. We need the correct perspective. When we're following the God who created all things, when we're following the Lord who was able to part the Red Sea, and we're following a Lord who was able to provide all of these plagues, and yet we sometimes forget what the Lord has done in our lives. Attitude and perspective are everything. Moses was called to lead the people of God out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of hopelessness into something way better. And yet on the one hand, the people of God should be commended for leaving Egypt and their big pots of meat, going into the wilderness, going into the desert in the unknown. They should be commended for that. But on the other hand, as soon as hardship or difficulty came about, what did they do? They started to grumble and started to doubt and started to doubt the Lord. As soon as challenges rises, the people of God failed to trust the Lord. They took the eye off the game. And not only did they grumble to the Lord, but they had a good go at Moses as well. I would, I would have hated to have been Moses. To be a leader eh, of people for... 
But we see this in the Bible all of the time. King David believed that he could conquer Goliath. And he goes to the field and his brothers ridicule him saying, what are you doing here? Get back in the field with the sheep. Caleb believed that the people of God should enter into the promised land. But 10 of his friends opposed him. Nehemiah had Sanballat and Tobiah who said, you can't build the walls. Jesus himself dying on a cross for the sins of the whole world was mocked and beaten and ridiculed. And this morning we're going to be looking at the Israelites as they left Egypt and crossed over the Red Sea. And in the series that we're looking at, this is the third in our series. And even though they grumbled and they were scared, the Lord still did amazing things in their lives. And so, nevertheless, Hebrews, they don't get a good reputation in the Bible, the people of God, when they left Egypt. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, it says, it says this. As the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me for 40 years, so what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath and my anger they shall never enter my rest. They don't get a good reputation, the people of God, when they left Egypt because they, they just continued to didn't trust in the Lord for his goodness and his provision. They lacked that faith. They should have left Egypt and gone to the promised land that the Lord had provided and it should have taken them 11 days to get there. And yet, it took them 40 years of wandering in the wilderness to get into the promises that the Lord had for them. And I think there's a great lesson for us as Christians today that when we are journeying with the Lord and the God has, has given us such beautiful promises and grace and mercy in our own lives to make sure that we are not hard-hearted towards the Lord and we become weary of following him, when it, whether that could be life throws curved balls at us or people criticize us. Make sure that we continue. To, how do we keep, keep growing in the Lord all the days of our lives and maintaining that right perspective? And there's four things I want to highlight out of our passage this morning in order for us to continue having the right perspective when we follow the Lord. And the first one is this. When we are journeying, and when we're going through experiences in life, let us continue looking inside our own lives. Okay, Exodus chapter 12, verse 30, uh, Exodus 12, 31. We see here that the 10 plagues, remember in Hebrew, plague means blow. There were 12 blows against Egypt and against Pharaoh. We looked at that last week. And the 10 blows against Egypt. And after the last one, the Passover, Pharaoh says to Moses, Exodus 12, 31, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go, worship the Lord as you have requested, take your flocks and your herds as you said, and go and bless me. Just go. 
Finally, Pharaoh allows the people to leave. And what do the people do? Moses in chapter 13, the first thing they do is this. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belong to me, whether man or animal. The people of God consecrate themselves before the Lord. The word consecrate literally means separated to or belonging to God. And this was to remind the Hebrews both who they were and whose they were. As we step out in life each day, I think each of us needs to examine our own lives and whether or not we are consecrating our own lives to the Lord. My wife and I, uh, my wife more so, she's, she's pretty cool in this way. When we go on a journey of any distance, the first thing she does, we load the car up, we get the dogs in there. I'm like trying to work out everything we need to do. My wife says, let's stop and let's pray. And let's give our journey to the Lord. Okay, yes, that's, the, that's, what, we, that's what I was just about to do. <laughs> oh, if we have dinner, you know, we eat food. And I'm just about like this. I say, oh, let's say grace. Oh, yep, that's what I was just about to do. <laughs> In every situation, she wants to make sure that we are giving our lives over to the Lord, whether journeying in a car or eating our food. Are we consecrating ourselves to the Lord in the journeys of life, whether we're starting a new job? Lord, I, I give this over to you. I am yours and you, and you belong, Lord, together. My job is your job, Lord. Bless me in this. Could be our first year at university. Or the first, you know, you, you, Cape and Ray students, it's your first year at Cape and Ray. Consecrate our times to the Lord as we start this journey. You could be joining a new pickleball league. I don't know what you Canadians play out here. I'm going to give my time to the Lord. Start a new church. Consecrate yourself to the Lord. Remind yourself who you are. I am a son and daughter of the Most High God, and I will conduct myself worthy of the Lord. Moses says to the people, in Exodus 19, he continues to say to the people in the journeying in the desert, we're going to go to the mountain, we're going to worship the Lord. Exodus 19, they're about to worship the Lord. And he says to the people, go uh, tomorrow and consecrate. The Lord says, consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all of the people. We're going to meet with God we're going to meet with God in the mountain. Go and consecrate yourselves. Get yourselves ready. We're going to walk in purity here before a holy God. Joshua 3 verse 5, 40 years later after they leave Egypt and they're about to go into the promised land, Joshua says to all of the people, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. What a lovely attitude. When we're going on a journey, when we're going every, when we start every day, let's examine our own lives. Are we consecrating our lives before the Lord? When we come into the presence of God, we need to have the right attitude, the right perspective. I said last week, 
when we prepare to come to church, don't stop preparing on a Sunday morning. Prepare Saturday night. I'm going to meet with God. I, I love it when Moses is in the tent of meeting and the whole, literally the whole camp, the presence of the Lord goes down on the tent and Moses is in the tent. The whole camp, what do they do? They stand outside of their doors and they say, the Lord is with us. And they're all just bow down and they worship before a holy God. When we meet in the presence of God, it is something quite re remarkable. Leviticus 19 verse 2, you must be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. In my mind, these passages should challenge us to be the people of God. Every day we must decide to leave behind the sin of the world and strive for purity and holiness before a holy God. And as Christians, we should live set apart to God lives. We are to live in such a way that people can clearly see we are different in this fallen world. We are to live so that people can see who we are and whose we are. But it's not always easy. The other day, you know, I've signed for a, a football team, uh, the Steelheads. And it was lovely to see a few of you come and watch me play the other night. Thank you for that. I've got to be in my best behavior now. Um, if my church congregation are watching me, I can't be swearing and whatnot, fighting. Not that I would, but that said, it's not always easy, right? And so the, um, the other day, about two weeks ago, uh, I was training Wednesday night and I was running towards a guy and somehow I batted into him and he fell over on his back and his leg, I can't do it, his leg stuck up straight like this and I somehow landed on top of his leg like, and I hit my ribs here and I just went like, like that. And a word came out of my mouth that rhymed with the word duck. And everybody heard, okay? And everybody knows I'm a pastor on the team, right? And everyone like stopped still and were like, what? Uh, and we had a good laugh about it, right? And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, that shouldn't have happened, but we laughed. But we're an example. When people see us, they see who we are following. And they see what we are consecrating our lives to. If I'm carrying a cup of coffee in my hand and someone bumps my elbow and the coffee spills everywhere, whose fault is it that the coffee spilled? Is it my fault or is it the person who bumps into me? What do you think? It's not the point. The point is this. The point is coffee spill out of the cup, okay? If I was carrying tea, tea would spill out of it. If I was carrying water, water would spill out of it. It doesn't matter whose fault it was. The fact is, whatever was inside came outside. And it's the same in our lives. Whatever we are invested in us is going to come out. If we are filled with the Spirit of God and something bumps into us, that is what comes out of us. I wish when I got tackled and I thought I broke my ribs, I wish 
the fruit of the Spirit came out, you know, peace and forbearing and love. And everyone's like, oh, wow, what a guy. But nope, <laughs> that didn't come out. When we are squeezed by the stresses of life, what comes out of our lives? Is it fear? Or is it anxiety? Or is it envy? Or jealousy? How do we respond? When the people are leaving Egypt and they're going into the promised land, the first thing that they do is that they consecrate themselves to the Lord. The second thing that they do uh, I think is that they, they look back. I love it when it says in chapter 14, and um, thank you for Jess for reading this, the passage this morning. Verse 10 though, just before the passage, as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have we done to us to bring us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. What a bunch of whiners. My goodness. The, Egyptian, the, the Israelites, they're looking back and they look up and they see the Egyptians and the first thing they do is they panic and they worry and they start fretting, and they start blaming Moses, and they start blaming God. It's so easy for us to look back. And understandable, I suppose, for these, these people. They've left Egypt, they've got the Egyptians. It says that there were 600 of the finest chariots chasing after them, and all of the other chariots in the whole of the land chasing after them. You've got all these chariots, these soldiers, and then you've got the Red Sea, the trap. Now, understandable that they are worried. But where is our perspective? I think it's easy for us to look back and to be crippled by regret. Regret is one of those terrible emotions. I think it's a pointless emotion. There's just no positives about regret. But when we look back, let's not look back in our lives with negativity. But we can look back in our lives, at the things that the Lord has done. If they look back in Egypt and they could see that the Lord had sent Moses to free them, they could have looked back and they could have seen all of the plagues that the Lord had sent and how they were protected from some of these plagues. They could have seen how the Lord had redeemed them from Egypt, the Passover how the Lord had guided and protected them and done wonderful things in their lives and that he brought them out of Egypt from hopelessness and despair to a life of going forward. They could have looked at all of those things. And it's easy for us to look at the, the negatives in life. And imagine Moses Moses is standing there and you've got a million, million Israelites complaining at him. What is going on? And Moses, in faith, it says he picks up his staff. Uh, verse 20, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. 
And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong wind and turned it into dry land. And the waters were divided. Moses had the faith with a million people behind him to say, right, okay, we're going to cross this water. The Lord is with us. What encouragement. Even against adversity, Moses still has the faith to go forward in what the Lord is doing. Faith isn't always having peace in our lives, but continuing to follow the Lord despite our emotions. And there's the rub. I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. They say to the king, even if, even if the Lord does not protect us, we will still follow the Lord. Even if, even if my circumstances don't improve, I will still follow the Lord because of all the things I can look back in my life where he has been with me and he has protected and he has guided me. And so here's my encouragement. Write down the things the Lord has done in your life and remember them. Look back, not at the negatives, but look back at the positives and how the Lord has guided us even in the tough times. Look forward. So look in, look back. How can we maintain a right perspective? Keep looking forward. Verse 15, Moses answered the people, uh, wait a minute, no. The Lord said to Moses in verse 15 of chapter 14, this is great. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. He says to Moses, okay, enough's enough. Keep moving forward in the promises that I've given you. This is the sort of thing a doer loves to hear. I'm a doer. You know, my wife, she's a reflector. She's a prayer warrior. But I like to do. I love spending time with the Lord. I love it when it's just me and God on a one-to-one basis and there's no distractions and I'm able just to spend time with God in prayer and in worship and I think those times are precious and I look forward to get them times when the kids are in bed or I get up early in the morning and it's just me for an hour before anybody wakes up and it's just me and the Lord and my Bible. I love them times. But I'm also a doer and I love it when the Lord says, Go. I want you to go and keep going forward. It is so possible to become so fixated on our problems of life and on the threats that we face that we grow paralyzed. And as Christians, we don't move forward. We've got to keep moving forward in faith. How do we respond to the challenges of life? How are we looking forward individually or even as a church? In verse 21, it says that Moses went forward and he he held out his staff and the impossible became possible. The sea parted and the Israelites were able to cross over on dry land. In 30 years time, when our little ones have just gone off there to kind of be taught in Sunday school, they look back at us. And how, what would they say about us? We had a 40th anniversary two weeks ago, and it was a great Sunday morning. And we, we were looking back at how the church was started. 
And the church started from this tiny little house and it outgrew it. And they built another chapel and they outgrew it. And then they built another chapel because they outgrew it. And I think, wow, they, they, they went forward. New life has continued to go forward. When our little children grow up, my, my children grow up and they look at how we responded to the Lord, what will they say? When they look at us and how we face the crossings over in life and the challenges, what will they say about us? Hey, that, that generation, they went forward in faith in the Lord. Or why did they just sit at the riverbank and not continue to trust in all the things that God was doing? I want my children to grow up and say, wow, they were a people of faith who not only crossed oceans, but conquered mountains in faith for the Lord. So let's keep looking forward as a people of God. And then finally, and my last and most important point, is keep looking towards Jesus Christ in all that we do. Verse 29 to 31, but the Israelites went through the sea and dry ground with a wall of water there right on their, and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. And then we saw this morning in verse 15, chapter 15, verse 11, who among the gods is like you, O Lord, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. The people have been redeemed. They've been freed from Egypt. They come to the Red Sea. The Red Sea parted. They crossed the Red Sea and the Red Sea closed. And now they are heading towards the promised land. I think this is such a beautiful picture of the gospel that we have. This is one of the most remarkable stories in the Bible from moving from place of fear to a place of awe, from moving of a place of hopelessness to moving to a place of redemption and freedom and an opportunity for a new life. You see, this is the gospel. Egypt is the place of death, the place of slavery, the place of bondage, the place of hopelessness. And the people of God were unable to rescue themselves. And this is a great picture of what we are like before we know Jesus Christ in our own lives. We are slaves to sin. Where there is sin, there is spiritual death, the Bible says. That is what it's like before we come to Christ. Sin separates us from God and we are powerless to do anything in our own strength. And it's no more God's purpose to leave you in that spiritual state than it was for the people of God to remain in Egypt. God wants all humanity to get out of Egypt into something way better. And so last week we looked at the Passover and the Passover is a foreshadow of the death of Jesus on the cross. John 1, 29 tells us, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look, the Lamb of God 
who takes the sin away of the whole world. Jesus Christ was, is the Lamb of God. And just as the people of God had to sacrifice the Lamb, all they had to do was paint the blood on a doorpost. That was it. All we have to do today in 2023 is to trust that Jesus died once and for all for all of our sins and in all humility say thank you. That's it. Egypt is our lives before Christ. We have the Passover lamb who redeems us and sets us free. And then the people of God, they came to the Red Sea, the crossing of the Red Sea on dry ground. It's a new start. When we are in Christ, we get a new start. It's a new opportunity to head towards the promised land. Stepping out in faith into those, in a new life in Jesus Christ. And so the life of Christ, when we've become Christian, it's twofold. The first thing, the death of Christ, is that we might be forgiven for our sins. But the second thing is that we may be delivered from the power of sin in our lives and have that life-transforming life-transforming presence of Jesus in our lives. So we are forgiven for our sins, but we get new life in Christ. And that is like what the, the, the crossing of the Red Sea is like. But then the Lord closes the Red Sea. There's no turning back. Once we are in Christ, there's no going back to our old lives. We don't live there anymore. We have new lives in Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4, tells us, Praise be to the God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. God is good. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. The Red Sea closes. We are, we, we are sons and daughters of God and nobody can ever take that away. And then God says to the people, go to the promised land. It'll take you about 11 days. That promised land isn't some sort of pie in the sky reality of heaven. It is the life of Christ that we live today. To be in Christ is to have our eternity secure but to, for Christ to be living in me that is what it means to have an abundant life that life of Christ in me makes me grow in my faith in my life to be transformed into the presence of Christ I cannot live the Christian life but Christ can and Christ lives in me and empowers me to live the Christian life that is what it means to be living in the promised land and he lives in me and he lives in you. Entering the promised land is symbolic of the life God wants us to live and the riches of Christ in us today. The problem is many Christians are still wandering around in the wilderness. They don't know what it means to be living in the promised land of Jesus Christ. The wilderness is still there. We are out of Egypt. You've crossed the Red Sea, but for many, it's still living in. They don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Remember last week I said about the Taylor Swift concert. You can get a ticket to Taylor Swift, right? And you're all excited. 
and you've, be you've beaten the queues and you're there. But just because we have a ticket to the concert, you've still got to go inside. You wouldn't stand outside of the stadium. It's the same with Christians. You can, you can commit your life to Christ, but you've, you, you need the full measure of what it's like. You go into the stadium. Having that ticket outside is like wandering around in the, in the wilderness. Do we know Jesus Christ as our Lord? Are we growing with Christ every single day? Are we consecrating our lives in everything that we're doing from the moment we wake up to the journeys we go on to the food that we're eating? Do we remember the good things the Lord has done in our lives? Are we growing with Christ? There are three places to live for humanity. There's Egypt, life without Christ. There's the wilderness. You know the Lord, but you ain't growing with him. Or there's the promised land where we're experiencing the fullness of Jesus in our lives each and every day. Here's my question for us. Where are we on the journey of life? I pray if you do not know Jesus today as your Lord and your Savior, that you encounter him in powerful ways. If you do know him and you're still not content, you feel like you are wandering around in the wilderness and you want to have the riches and the abundance and the joy that the Bible describes, hey, please come and see me or any of our staff or any of our elders and we will pray with you and encourage you what it means to have that life of Christ in each and every one of us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this day and we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that you are a holy God and that you are an awesome God and that you are a powerful and mighty God and that we are able to enter into your presence through the power of Jesus Christ. We can come before you face down before your throne of grace and worship you and we can speak with you and we can pray with you and we can worship with you, Lord. And that access is available to all who believe. Lord, Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that we don't wander around in the wilderness, Lord, in our, in our Christian lives. But we know what it means to be living in Canaan. We know what it means to be living in the promised land and growing each and every day with Jesus living in us. Lord, you are a good God and you keep bringing us on. I pray, Lord, Heavenly Father, this day that we know what it means to have that abundant life in Christ. We pray these things in your glorious, wonderful name. Amen.